Hey, what's up, guys? Jake Steele, ironandsteel.com. This is podcast episode number 24. And as always, thank you very much for being here. It is greatly appreciated. And uh, I'm going to start off this week the way I've been starting off just about every episode since the first couple uh, by saying thank you to everybody that takes the time out of their day every week to send me one of these dozens of messages that I get saying how much they enjoy the podcast. Uh, It's been a little bit overwhelming and I didn't expect this reaction, but just a fucking shitload of people every week message me to say, I don't listen to podcasts, but I really enjoy this one. And some people get really weird and personal about it, telling me about, you know, how certain stories have affected them or um, just like weird shit that I never would expect. Um, But I do appreciate it. A lot of people say, you know, will tell me like, this really helps me get through the work day or my long drive to work or back, you know, whatever. So I didn't expect any of this to like affect anybody on any real level, but uh, apparently somewhere along the way, some of this stuff has struck a chord with some of you guys. And I really appreciate it. The only thing I'm gonna say again, as I always do, uh, don't just tell me, tell your friends, tell your family, coworkers, share the link, uh, Spotify link, YouTube link, or the website ironandsteel.com. Um, if you really enjoy it as much as I'm hearing, um, that's the biggest thing you can do for me. Just share the info, share the podcast, share the website. Uh, apparently there are still people that know how to read. So there's dozens and dozens of articles on ironandsteel.com and, uh, it's all there, all free. And, uh, yeah, if you could just share that info, but, uh, in general, thank you very much. So <clears throat> on that subject. The second reason I'm in such a good mood today is I just got back from a guy's shop down the road and an interesting thing happened. A couple of weeks ago, I got a phone number from a guy. He said, Hey, I know a guy that's got a 41 willies. It's a project. It's all apart. It's like a pro street thing. Um, stalled project wants to sell it. Here's his number. He has a bunch of cars. Give him a call. So I called him. Today I get a call back. The guy says, yeah, uh, gives me the address. You know, it's just a couple of miles down the road from my house. So I jump in my Phaeton, drive down there. And the first thing I notice is that this building is absolutely fucking palatial. Uh, if there's any rat rug guys listening, that means like huge, beautiful, large, opulent, upscale. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I pull up to this monstrous fucking shop. I pull into the back where the guy is. I get out. We go in this like sectioned off area. There's a lift. There's like a Porsche, a bunch of memorabilia, this 41 Willys coupe and like some fiberglass car, whatever. Anyway, so we do the dance. I look at the car. We talk for a while and then I take some pictures and say, you know, I'll let you know, whatever. Well, the guy's like, hey, do you want to see the rest of this stuff? I said, yeah, sure. So he opens up this door and there's all these lights start coming on. And for 350 feet, it is fucking wall to wall cars. And I mean, top tier stuff. 32s, 36s, 40s, tri five Chevys, nomads, muscle cars, you know, 
Ferraris and shit, if you're into that stuff. Long story short, a hundred top tier cars stuffed away in this super unassuming, totally out of the way, off the beaten path in a rural area where we live shop. So, and I found out, I figured out that this was kind of the, I'd been hearing sort of a local legend type of deal, these stories that we hear. For years, I've been hearing about a guy that has a hundred cars stuffed away in this shop and they're all badass, traditional hot rods, customs, muscle cars, whatever. So anyway, long story short, I stumbled onto that today and uh, spent a couple hours over there with the guy. A few of his cars are actually cars that some of you guys listening will recognize. Uh, He's got some historic custom cars and hot rods and stuff. And so one of the good things that did come out of it, uh, other than just being able to see the cars and his memorabilia and hearing the stories and all that shit. um, One good thing for you guys is we have an agreement now. Some of these cars we're actually going to pull out. He's going to let me photograph and uh, write stories about. So yeah, pretty cool day and uh, saw a lot of neat shit. And uh, a bunch of that's going to make its way onto ironandsteel.com. So, yeah, look forward to that in the future. And uh, like I said, I'm still reeling from seeing all this stuff. I'll post some photos probably on my Instagram. And then, uh, yeah, just, um, I guess, keep an eye on ironandsteel.com for uh, some of these stories coming up, which is another great drop in the bucket, by the way, for the argument of hitting the subscribe button on ironandsteel.com punching in your email just takes two seconds Uh, when you're on that email list you'll get one or two messages from me a week um, just to let you know that there's fresh content whether it's a new podcast or a fresh article so there's a lot kind of going on and uh, if you're on the email list it just keeps you up to date on everything so anyway so that was all good news Uh, today I'm going to read you a story off of ironandsteel.com it's called making street neat And the premise of it is basically kind of like my Get Some Patience Now article where I outline, you know, why it's better to buy an old car and turn it into a hot rod than it is to build a hot rod from scratch. This is kind of looking at it from the angle of somebody a little bit more established, a little older, that wants a nice traditional car uh, that can afford to go out and buy an old street rod. So that's kind of the premise of the story. Ironandsteel.com, you can check it out for yourself. I put some photos on there too that kind of go along with the story. Uh, Some examples of cars that I've had um, that I've converted from, you know, kind of an ugly old street rod to a pretty nice looking traditional car. So you can go there and check it out for yourself if you wish. Uh, Otherwise, kick back, relax, stick around, and I'll read it to you. So a while back, I wrote an article where I gave my opinion on exercising a little bit of patience when it comes to buying and building your first hot rod. And as an example in this article, I outlined the process of buying an older amateur restoration Model A coupe, then taking it apart and selling off all the bullshit that you, the hot rodder, doesn't need, thereby making back some of your money and theoretically being in the project right in the long run when compared to building from a bare body or a pile of parts. 
That article was called Get Some Patience Now. You can read it on ironandsteel.com. It was also podcast number nine, if I remember right. So uh, podcast number nine, Get Some Patience Now, if you want to check that out or check it out on the website. Anyway, recently, though, I got to thinking. What about the guys that are maybe a little bit farther along? Maybe a little more established. The guy that maybe is still budget conscious, but does have the ability to spend a little bit more or even a lot more money in order to get what he wants. I wondered, could I make a similar case that applies to guys in the next tax bracket as well? I think so, but the answer may be enough to make some of you wince just a little bit. You ready? In my opinion, the answer just may be street rod. I know, but just hear me out. So you know how people always say that the second you drive a new car off the lot, it's instantly worth a shitload less money? Well, it's true, and really the same is true of building old cars, except they're only ever worth what you spent to build them to you. Almost never to the next guy. Let's face it, body and paint are fucking expensive, and interiors aren't cheap either. You can't weld, don't know how to fabricate, that's also big bucks. Basically, anything that takes skilled labor that you can't perform is going to cost you around $100 an hour. And we all know cars can take thousands of hours to build. So what's my point? My point is... Let some other motherfucker spend the money and let him take the loss. Reasonable? Sure, okay, so, but what about this street rod shit? Well, follow me on this journey and I'll tell you all about it. The 90s and the early 2000s were a fucked up crazy time. Baby boomers were kind of just starting to become established money-wise, which was sort of the natural course just based on their age, but the surging economic climate of the time also helped fuel an absolutely unprecedented level of excess and free spending. And naturally, one of the things that these guys spent so freely on was classic cars. There was a thriving resurgence in interest in these old cars, unlike anything we had ever seen before, at least since the original craze that started this stuff 40 to 50 years before that. There was just one major problem. The problem was, what an absolutely fucked up era when it comes to taste. These motherfuckers didn't have any of it. So let's face it, some of the shit that these guys were doing to these cars was absolutely terrible. Shave door handles, billet everything, Easter egg paint colors, painted bumpers, tweed interior, tilt columns, fuck. Yeah. Some nasty stuff, alright. What was fashionable then was anything but timeless. To be frank, I don't think there was ever a worse era when it comes to classic car aesthetics. And this is coming from a guy that was a kid in the 90s. But look, they weren't all bad, 
and there are some redeeming qualities to these 30-ish year old builds. One of which is a lot of these cars were actually very, very well built, if you can look past some of the obvious shortcomings in the looks department. And it helps if you have the eye to be able to correct it. Now, look, if we're talking about a car that's teal with a pink heartbeat stripe down the side of it and Dodge Neon headlights grafted into it, this may not exactly apply. <laughs> but the fact is, a lot of the ugly on most of these cars can thankfully be unbolted and thrown away. In fact, just the proper set of wheels and tires can right a lot of wrongs on a dated old street rod. And if you're willing to go a step or two further, you can end up with an extremely bitchin' car for a very reasonable price. Far less than you'd have spent building it from scratch. Let me give you some examples. Number one, paint. This is the biggest hurdle to overcome by far. Far too many street rods built during this era got sprayed with absolutely fucking terrible colors. Teals, pinks, two-tones, terribly done flames, awful graphics, airbrushed on. You get the idea. For those cars, unless you're a painter, my cute little theory isn't going to work. Because body and paint are just too expensive. The good news is... There were plenty of well-built cars that came out of the 90s that were painted just a single neutral color like black, red, or white. Number two, wheels and tires. This is the absolute biggest offender and the easiest to fix. You'd be surprised how a car can change with just a wheel and tire update. Trading in those Boyds for some clean, tasteful steel wheels and baldy caps goes a very long way. Number three, chrome. Painted bumpers and grills were very common, too common. Luckily, that's an easy fix. Number four, engine bay. Look, if you can stand a small block Chevy, a turbo 350, and a Ford 9-inch rear end, you're in for some great news since that was what about 90% of these cars used. Just toss those ugly fucking valve covers and that air cleaner in favor for something a little more tasteful. Replace those billet oil and transmission dipsticks with clean stock stuff and you are good to go. Now, you're not going to be winning any awards on the ham for being the most trad bro on the planet. But you will be driving a nice old car. So, just shut up, keep the hood shut, and you're in business. Interior, number five. This is a big one. Very few street rods escaped a 1990s upholstery shop without being draped in a few yards of absolutely fucking hideous gray tweed. If you're lucky enough to find something that did, you are so far ahead of the game, it's not even funny. Admittedly, that's going to be pretty rare, though. Most are going to need all that shit pulled out, lit on fire. Also, you'll likely be updating the gauges and the steering wheel at an absolute minimum. <laughs> Any idea how many cars I've gone to look at, by the way, where guys were so excited to show me their digital gauges? <laughs> so funny. 
anyway. At the end of the day though, how far you want to go is up to you. And don't get me wrong, there are plenty of 90s cars that can't be straightened out in a weekend with a set of wrenches and a case of beer. But there were plenty that can. Unfortunately though, unlike the scenario I outlined in Get Some Patience Now, you most likely won't be making any money back on the items that you pull off of these cars. Why? It's simple. Nobody wants it. <laughs> Rather than taking photos and posting this stuff on Marketplace, you'll be searching for the nearest burn pile or poorly guarded construction site dumpster. Or if you're a betting man, Maybe you can stuff that shit away in hopes that all this gross era of car customization somehow makes a comeback sometime down the road. Will it? I hope not, but it is possible. So there you have it, my two cents. The point is this. If you can find a well-built old street rod that has a bulletproof drivetrain and decent paint in a color that you can stand, the rest is easy money. Just saying, give it some thought. Happy hunting. Okay, there you have it. Making street neat. Did you see the clever little rhyme I did there? What the fuck, dude? I know, I know. What can I say? Just This shit just comes to me. <laughs> Ironandsteel.com is a website. You can go there and check that story out for yourself if you so choose. I did include some photos in the original article that kind of go along with the story. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And kind of, I guess, lend a little credibility to the theory that I proposed, which is um, how simple things can transform a dated car into something uh, more palatable. So uh, as an example, I included some cars that I've had over the years kind of come and go. Um, some of them show photos of the car in its original configuration and then updated photos with like different wheels and tires and small changes that uh, transform it from, I guess, sort of a product of the time period it was built in into more of a timeless hot rodder custom i guess is kind of the best way to put it so uh yeah you can check it out for yourself there's a bunch of cool photos on there so again one more time when you're on the site uh scroll to the bottom of the page hit the button that says subscribe punch in your email uh you're just signing up for my email list the only thing i do with that is i physically once or twice a week sit down and punch out an email send it to everybody on the list and uh, it's just to let you know when there's fresh content. So, um, you know, I do one every time I write an article and post it to the site or every time there's a new podcast. So right now podcasts are once a week and most often fresh articles on the site are once a week. If I'm like being a lazy dick, it's, you know, maybe an article every two weeks or whatever. But uh, regardless, there's sort of a lot going on day to day, week by week um, that if you enjoy this type of content, you're going to want to know about. So uh, ironandsteel.com, scroll down, subscribe, email, you're done. So yeah, anyway, uh, I forgot to mention at the beginning, or maybe I did, I don't remember. I don't know. Um, the Q&A. So I have a few quick questions we'll blast through for the Q&A. I can already tell we're going to be 
running long or right on time if I time this right. So uh, I did ask for Q&A stuff this week and then I've got a whole bunch I've just been sitting on that have sort of compounded over the last few weeks that I didn't get to. So um, we'll just do like four or five really quick and uh, see how far we get. So <laughs> the first question actually was one that came through this week. It's like, uh, it's kind of funny. So it just said, I saw that you caught some shit for one of the serial killer shirts. Ha ha ha. <laughs> so yeah, I did. If you don't know what this guy's talking about, um, I got on one of my posts, there was like this chain of people basically talking shit about the, the serial killer design and in a roundabout way calling me a piece of shit for like putting this guy on a t-shirt. It was a Gacy shirt. So, you know, <laughs> look... I didn't expect that everybody was going to really dig the serial killer themed t-shirts. Um, but it is what it is. So as I've said, like a whole bunch of times on different, you know, podcasts and stuff, it's not lost on me that these guys were terrible people. Um, <laughs> I'm the first to admit that these guys were shit bags, obviously. Uh, that said, I didn't make them a part of pop culture. <laughs> that's something that's happened, uh, over, decades and uh here we are so we are a society obsessed with um terrible people and uh that's the world we live in so that said the artwork on the t-shirt is fucking amazing and the pun is top notch <laughs> so i stand by it uh yeah look if you don't like it don't buy one i don't know what to tell you but you're not shocking me by telling me that you don't like it i'm sure plenty of people don't so there you have it. Uh, the second uh, question or whatever, it's, it just says, what's your favorite traditional engine? So I I, I don't know. Um, I don't really have a quote favorite. I like everything. So obviously flatheads, flathead Fords are kind of where everything started. So, um, you know, occasionally I talk shit about flatheads, about, you know, them being slow, spend a bunch of money to not go very fast, all this shit. That said, I do love a flathead Ford. I've got plenty of cars that have a flathead Ford in them. And it's undeniable that that's kind of, that's where it all start. The hot rod stuff all started. Right. So, uh, that said, I like flathead Fords. I like small block Chevys. I like Hemis. I like Olds motors. I like Buick nail heads. I mean, you name it. Uh, they all have their place. I guess it kind of depends on what kind of build you're going for what time period I guess in some cases you want to stick to they're all great I don't have a favorite I'm too stupid for that I like them all that's part of my problem so um the another question that came through that was uh just as broad it just says uh hot rod or custom <laughs> I don't know man I'm the wrong person to ask about that I I guess the answer is yes one of each I feel like everybody should have um, at least one of each. So, um, this was kind of funny. This came through like a week ago. It says, uh, do you record these in some sort of a home studio? <laughs> Dude, I'm literally, <laughs> I'm literally walking around my house in my boxers right now, recording this on my phone. <laughs> so, uh, no, I don't have a studio. They, <laughs> they make this, they make this shit so easy now. Anybody can do it. Um, that's why like every four seconds you hear some slap dick talking about how they're going to start a podcast. 
because it seems really easy to do it. And it really is uh, from a functional functionality standpoint, you can do everything on your phone. Uh, I'm literally, like I said, just walking around my house recording this. I've got a little mic plugged into my phone. Uh, all the editing stuff is in the Anchor app that I record this stuff on. And then, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. So uh, no, no studio. Um, I wish I did, though. But uh, if you have a studio that you're offering up, maybe uh, me and the homies can come over and lay down some rhymes or something. But uh, yeah, no, no, no home studio. I'm literally just walking around recording this on my phone like a fucking dipshit. So yeah, hopefully it sounds all right. So anyway, I <laughs> I can tell we're uh, we're right on time right now. I like to keep these between 20 and 25 minutes because that is the attention span most people have. And uh, any more than that, you start creeping around a half an hour. I think we're um, testing the limits of everyone's attention span, including my own. So, uh, yeah, on that note, I'm going to say thank you again for being here. It is greatly appreciated, all the jokes and all the bullshit aside. Um, I genuinely appreciate everybody tuning in every week. And uh, thank you for that. And thank you to everybody that goes to the website reads these articles firsthand and leaves comments and all that stuff there. Uh, it takes a whole bunch of work to put all this stuff together. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't do it if, uh, if you guys didn't seem to enjoy it. So again, just a blanket statement. Thank you very much for being here. And, uh, I'll talk to you guys again in exactly seven days.